Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we are interviewing Ira Wolf. He is ranked by Thinkers360 as the number one global thought leader and influencers in the future of work category, number three in HR, top 20 for leadership. He's been dancing with change his entire professional life, profoundly shaped by both his fascination and fear of a volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous future, which he calls VUCA where the line between reality and science fiction blur. We're going to talk today about how you can get your organization ready for the future of employment with this HR expert and futurist. Ira, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Rami. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and hope everybody is safe. Uh, We're certainly living in unusual times. Yes, may you live in interesting times. Uh, uh, 2020, that should be what what goes in the uh, encyclopedia next to it. We've had a... um, I'm showing my age talking about encyclopedias. Well, I remember um, those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, Ira, I'm excited to have you on because, you know, this year has, if anything, has encapsulated VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous times. Uh, I think this year's got to take the cake in a lot of ways. Um, I thought maybe you could start by just giving us a broad overview of kind of how you came to this idea of of VUCA and and what it means for the future of our of our listeners organizations. And then we can dive in a bit more into your story and um, what we can how we can adapt to it. Yeah, it's a great place to start. And thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I, uh, to be fair, I, I wish I did come up with the term VUCA, uh, but it, it basically was originated in the early 90s uh, mm-hmm. after the uh, Berlin Wall came down. So many, some of the listeners uh, may, may remember that uh, when, when uh, East and West Germany was divided by this wall. And they realized that the military, the U.S. military realized that our world was changing fast and that we would no longer be really fighting enemies, sovereign states per se, uh, or countries, but we would be dealing with things like terrorism, uh, which shows no boundaries. And we certainly have had some of those experiences, uh, as we know, uh, you know, where, where does Al-Qaeda live? You know, where do some of these terrorist groups live? And so they, they came up with a war st- a strategy uh, for the future. And they determined that the environment was going to be volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that's, so that's where the term came from. So they taught that, that really came from the uh, U.S. Army or U.S. military war colleges. Hmm. Uh, and it became popular over, uh, somewhat popular. It's, it's becoming a lot more popular these days. Um, but over the years, it's somewhat become popular with business strategy, mostly at the sea level, of how do you how do you manage a business that's in a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world? Uh, you know, it used to be, and, and you're probably 
you know, there's a lot of statistics. I don't remember the exact numbers, um, but the the average length of time, like on the S&P, this, you know, on the, on the standard uh, and poor's index uh, used to be like 30 some years. Now mm-hmm. it's like down to 12. I think there's only a handful of companies in the top hundred that even exist that existed 25 years ago. Uh, so things are, are changing fast. Right. And, and that environment, and, and that's exactly, that's one of the best um, uh, key things for people to think about that, that S&P index. I, I use that in one of my talks when people are asking, well, hey, in 10 years, you know, where are we going to, you know, how is this, is this worth an investment? How are we going to grow this out? And I'm like, guys, 10 years is, <laughs> it's an eternity. that's, that's a, that's a new world. You got to think about your day to day today. You got to, pro- you got to, you got to have strategy, of course, but. Um, and, and, and again, to, to make this real for people, because we, you know, when you're living in the moment, you, you sometimes lose reference to this, but it took, um, and, and again, I, I, I there's, there's a, as a graphic and there's no exact number to this, but it mm. took like a hundred years for 50% of the people to adopt electricity. And they believe it was like 50 years to adopt the automobile. And mm-hmm. it was 30 some years to adopt electricity. The cell phone, 50 million, 50% of the population adopted a cell phone in uh, 10 years, within 10 years. But just between January or between December of this year, of last year, of 2019, and April of 2020, the number of users on Zoom went from 10 million a month to 300 million a month. <laughs> the, the rate of adoption, uh, the, 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 the pace of acceleration, uh, especially of technology, we, we're, now we're talking about a lot of things. Uh, is just exponential, which means it, it's it's continually doubling in time. And even the old Moore's law, which was technology doubled every, you know, the, the computer power basically doubled every 18 months is no longer exists. I mean, it, that, that doesn't hold true anymore because it's right. so much faster. And that that guided us for 30 or 40 years. And, and now that even that law is no longer a law. Well, Ira, I, I want to get into kind of where you, the structures you see that help protect and grow organizations in an, in an environment like this. But before we do, I ask every person I interview uh, 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 this coming question, and it's the most common thing I get feedback about in a positive way. See, you are, I mean, you're, like I said, a number one global thought leader. You're, you've got an uh, outstanding organization. You've been doing this for 25 plus years. But I'm sure along the way, you've had some pretty rough times. Um, a lot of our listeners are, maybe they're in a very bad place in their business, or maybe they're an employee and they're thinking about striking out on their own, or they're um, in a rough situation trying to turn their organization around. And I, it's very helpful to them to hear from us about our worst experiences, because they learn as much, if not more, from those stories as they do from the thing we actually came on here to talk about, which is our projection of the future and how we think people should act. Uh, <laughs> so, so Ira, what I'd love for you to do is take us to the time, tell us a story that tells us about where you were, what you were doing, the environment you were in, and tell us about the worst moment, entrepreneurial moment in your journey here as a uh, HR futurist, basically, as, a, as someone who's who's advising on these broad topics. 
and uh, tell us about that bad time and how it came about and, and uh, what, what happened. That's an interesting question. And, uh, you know, as, as you were... Hard to pick, uh, right? <laughs> well, yes and, and no. Uh, the, the yes is I've certainly had hard times. Uh, and, and I guess in the moment, I thought they were terrible. Uh, but I tend to, although people often tell me I'm the skeptic, uh, and you know why did why do you always have to you know pop the balloon that we're in because I'm, I also put myself out as a realist, uh, but right. I always see opportunity in the crisis, and so I, I could go back to similar situations that we're in now. Uh, you know, certainly uh, nineteen. I, I start by the way, just kind of as a frame of reference. I've been in this business twenty five years. Um, my f- career, I started as a dentist and I missed that in your bio. I read your website. I, I didn't yeah, realize you started I'm not, as a dentist. I'm not sure it's in the brief bio, but it, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that's, that was my career. And you are a realist. You do like causing if, pain. If, if you, if, if you watch the, if my Ted talk, uh, my TEDx talk, which was about change and I introduced VUCA there, I, 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 very early on, I say that I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry. I, I loved running the business. I liked working with the people. I liked building a team. I liked helping people become healthier. I helped people, educating people, uh, not to take out their teeth, but to keep their teeth. Um, mm. I loved all that part. I just didn't like doing the work. To me, it was boring after a while, mm-hmm. after I did the first 50 root canals. Um, I was good at it. Uh, my, my patients told me I was good at it. My peers told me I was good at it. I didn't want to do it anymore. That's not what I want to do with my life. So I haven't done that uh, in 26 years. However, I remember when I started. I started uh, my practice in 1980. And for, for those of you who might be around, or at least adults at that time, uh, interest rate, I fixed my interest rate at 10%. I'm sorry, at 14% because the prime in 1980. Yeah, the prime was 10%. So it was prime plus four. And people told me I was crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, basically borrowing $100,000 on a credit card and financing your business that way. Now, I know a lot of people do, but they're not used to having these, you know, high interest rates or they would never Mm -hmm. put it at an 18 or a 20%. Well, by the day, the time I opened my door, there was a, uh, short, well, the, the prime had hit 18, so my interest rate would have been 22. Um, the, uh, there was a shortage of silver at the time. That was a silver run. And what were dentists using 40 years ago? Silver filling and x-rays. Um, mm. So I was literally buying that out of trunks of cars from dentists who bought up all the supplies because the dental suppliers didn't have it. And so that was certainly a challenge in time. And people told me I was crazy. Like, are you going to get a part-time job? Are you going to go to work for somebody? Is this the right time to do that? And I saw the opportunity there. So I looked around and there were, I was also in a town of 5,000 people with 11 dentists. And, wow. uh, and a lot of them were young. It wasn't that there were old dentists ready to retire. There's a lot of younger people. And I looked at everything that they did or, or weren't doing. Like they were in open evenings. They weren't open on Saturdays. They didn't take emergencies. They weren't accepting new patients. They didn't help people with their insurance. They didn't treat children. They didn't do root canals. They didn't, it was, I, it, I went down the list. And when I went to the bank, 
to borrow the money in this crazy time. And I had, I had literally school loans. I didn't have any savings. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, what were you going to do? And that was my business plan. And one bank uh, allowed me to, uh, you know, gave, uh, you know, saw that as a potential and gave me the money. Uh, within three months, I had to expand. I had to buy more equipment. Uh, so kind of the moral of the story is, I mean, I've had that experience uh, seven years later uh, was when the HIV came out, you know, similar to Corona. Yeah. But, uh, and the first patient in the country that they uh, identified or healthcare uh, person uh, was a patient who died in a dental office. So all wow. of a sudden there's we're not going to the dentist. I mean, my livelihood, we're not going to go to the dentist. And I saw that as an opportunity to upgrade my office uh, to say, listen, we're going to do everything possible to protect you. So things that some people are doing today to, to draw a parallel. Some people aren't. Some people are ignoring that. Uh, and, you know, I made a big deal out of how of, of basically wearing masks and and changing uniforms and protection and people said oh this is so scary we used to like to come to you we could see your face now we can't see your face and I got yeah but you're safe and we got busier right n- not worse so the other side of VUCA by the way um, is th- there's a flip side they call it VUCA Prime and I'm going to give credit to where that came from it's Bob Johansson from the Institute of the Future. Uh, he developed, he, he, his model is VUCA Prime. And VUCA Prime, V-U-C-A, stands for vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. And I didn't come up with that, but that's basically my philosophy. I mean, when hmm. I've been faced with challenges and, you know, I can go through a whole bunch more and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, personal uh, you know, got divorced, uh, you know, so there's whole, there's a whole bunch of things, personal and professional that have happened to me. And that day that it happens, I'm pretty upset, just like anybody else. I'm pretty stressed out. What am I going to do when coronavirus three, four months ago, when all this came down is like, I'm in the hiring business. Who right. is going to hire when businesses shut down, the stock market's crashing. And so I jumped into marketing mode. Uh, you know, I've got a podcast and, and I do all these things, uh, write a lot. So I jumped into marketing mode. The last four months, I was busier this time than the same period of time last year because there were businesses that were uh, hiring. There was also a lot of my competitors stopped marketing. I right. increased marketing. So because one is I had a vision with the future. I never lost... I. Yeah, you question your hope and, you know, am I doing the right thing? But I, I had a vision of what it could be if I did things differently. And then you seek to understand. Uh, you try to be as clear as possible. And instead of focusing on the ambiguity, you focus on being agile, just being more flexible. So, you know, the, the mess, I, I have a tough time saying, boy, this just devastated me. Um, <laughs> right. I, I mean, maybe you know, behind the scenes and maybe my spouse would tell me and, and some family would say, yeah, I don't remember it that way. But in my mind, I had a plan how to get out of it. And so the, the VUCA prime really resonates with me. I think that's excellent. I, I, um, I, I've run into that at times too. I was, I, I did, I stole that question from a podcast called entrepreneurs on fire, uh, mm-hmm. John Lee Dumas, um, which I listened to 
years ago it was a daily podcast now he does it totally different but but i um when i when i first was interviewed with that question my i had so much trouble because because i mean there first of all there's a plethora of things that have gone absolutely wrong but if you're 30 days out from it it's like well i'm still in business like i'm i'm it was an opportunity it came out well so Yeah, I think part of that goes to also and when and again, we're talking about processes, a lot of it has to do with mindset. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar or your listeners are familiar with the growth of the fixed versus the growth mindset. If you're not, I all you have to do is search for it. It's all over the Internet. But it was popularized uh, about 10 years ago by Carol Dweck. That's D.W.E.C.K. And she wrote a book on it and she studied children. And and the emphasis and, and this I, I didn't think of it till now because I'm familiar with that question and with the entrepreneurs on fire. Um, but I'm wondering if that question came from the fixed mindset because the fixed mindset mm. is something that I struggled with. And a lot of people do is I was a good student. Um, you know, it was basically, if I got an A minus, my parents would say, why, you know, you, you could have tried a little harder or maybe next time you can do better. Mm-hmm. And, and they weren't hard at it, but they, they wanted me to do well. Like if every parent does, they want their children to succeed, but it gets to the point where you start and even signing up for college courses and doing things, you start signing up for things that you can get an A in. You don't want to, you don't want to take the challenge and maybe what happens if I get a B or a C? Mm. and learn, but it won't look good. Or I can't can't make a mistake because uh, how many people got hired and um, they're not infallible. Nobody's perfect and and everybody has to learn. And yet they're fearful of of basically showing, being vulnerable, uh, making a mistake, asking a question, because that might expose them and they go, well, I thought we hired you because you have all the answers. So people develop, smart people develop this fixed mindset that they, that they have to start living to their image versus a growth mindset that says mistakes are just part of life. And that's how you learn. If you don't make mistakes, you don't learn. And they, they're almost binary choices in the past, but no longer. I mean, part of it is, is there are uh, it, Carol Dweck's work was mostly done on students. She wanted to know why, why do some students who are valedictorian fail in life? And it was because they had that, they developed that fixed mindset and other mm-hmm. people who you never expected would, would you know, <laughs> the most likely to fail award that they got in, in school uh, became these, you know, billionaire CEOs uh, and, and owners. And part of it was, is that some lived, you know, were afraid of failure, fra- afraid of making mistake and others succeeded. So I'm wondering that on that question almost comes from the fixed mindset of focusing yeah. on the challenge. And it's interesting. I, I assume that the people I, I'm wondering, and maybe you and I can do the survey. I, I wonder how many people list all these challenges that they overcame um, were sort of in that fixed mindset, stuck in that fixed mindset versus, you know, you and I are struggling to come up with what the real what the answer was. Uh, because maybe it's, hey, it's just, we're, we're going to misstep. We're going to fall flat in our face. Uh, if you want to talk about some real, uh, you know, financial mistakes uh, that I got a bundle of them. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. You know, um, you know uh, inc- including divorce, the divorce, including um, 
pulling my money out of the stock market at the wrong time to, to, at, you know, 9-11 and 2008. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of mistakes, but, you know, you sort of land on your feet and you kick yourself and you move on. Keep and, rocking. Yeah. Well, Ira, um, thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit. And I, I appreciate you giving some insight into how you think. Let's transition a little bit now. And uh, in your world of, as you mentioned, you're, you're very focused on recruiting and gr- growing talent. What do you see kind of as the primary challenge right now for organizations that are uh, trying to grow, that are, that are looking to expand? Is it, uh, you know, I hear from some companies, it, it all, of course, probably depends on industry in a lot of ways, but some companies say, I can't find a qualified person to save my life. Some companies say, uh, I can't afford anybody who has skills. All I'm, all I'm left with are these burger flippers. Um, uh, some get 400 applications for uh, every job and they can't figure out, they, they have trouble getting through them. Where do you see um, the primary issue that, that happens for these companies? And maybe not today, but where it'll be in a year from now, where, where they need to be looking for the problem that they can figure out the solution to now. And we have like, what, three, four hours to answer this question? <laughs> you know, we got about 20 more minutes yeah, yeah. on this one. I like <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting time. So if you mm-hmm. asked me six months ago, uh, just a few months ago, um, I would, the struggle was that people were really, couldn't find good people. And then all of a sudden, uh, as of Monday this week, uh, we had 45 million people unemployed. So a lot of people think that the that the challenge will be that the, the skill shortage that we've been predicting for 20 years, that was my first book, uh, Perfect Labor Storm, mm-hmm. that 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 was went away. It's like, you know, what happened to that? The reality is, is that we haven't, the, the people, not, there are some people that were laid off that have good skills and are good people and they're just in the wrong industry at the wrong time. Mm. But a lot of people were, were still working. They were still employed, but they were falling behind. Uh, they didn't have the digital skills. How many people were sent home to work and then they found out that they're not very good on the computer. Right. <laughs> uh, now, now they're their own IT department. So one of the things that's happened with HR is there's an expectation that, oh, now it'll be easy to find people. And just last week, I was on a call. I, I'm not going to share even what industry they're in and give it away. But they had contacted me. They heard me speak at a conference uh, in April. It was virtual at that by that time. And she really liked what I said. And she said, you know, we thought our problems for hiring salespeople were over. <laughs> And she said, we're not getting enough people to apply. And of course, they blamed the PPP and the, and the subsistence and people are lazy and the millennials don't want to work. And it, there's every excuse in the world. And the reality is that their problem was that their reputation, their, their ratings on Glassdoor and Indeed were under three. So people don't want to work for a company. That doesn't have a good, that's not a good place to work unless they're desperate and they need that. And at this point in time, despite all those people being unemployed, a lot of them are still on payroll. They're getting the employee, they're, they're doing better on employment, uh, right. you know, subsistence than they are uh, getting a job. But they're this challenge to find talent, the right people. And when I say talent, it's not only finding the people with the right skills, but it's fitting into the culture. Because that's more important for companies than ever, and it's more important to the employees than ever. 
So one of the, but the flip side of that is, and this goes into uh, what companies, there's two things companies need to correct. One is they need to really work on their company culture and their, their, uh, their employment brand, what, what it's like to work there. On the other hand, I also got a call from someone who used to get 50, they, they used Indeed, they, you know, they used job boards. They used mm-hmm. to get maybe 50. If they were lucky, they'd get 50 candidates applying. And out of those, there might have been one or two that worked, that, that were worthy, that they felt worth were worthy. interviewing. Yeah, even. right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this is about two or three weeks ago. They, they were getting back into business. They were reopening or restarting up again. And they put a, an ad on Indeed. And within 24 hours, they had 1,300 applications. Yeah. Now they're used to having like they're a part time. They didn't even have it was a small business. They they, they had a part time person um, who sifted you know their assistant, the receptionist, their secretary uh, would sift through twenty five or fifty applications, get rid of the ones that didn't look like fit, and hand over the the remaining ones to the boss. Right. What do you do with four thirteen or fourteen hundred in a day? Yeah. Um, you can imagine, I mean, it's 13, they get emails, they have no system. So we, going to your question, what's going to happen 12 months from now? Um, it's going to be a similar situation. Uh, we're not coming out of this. I mean, there are, there are businesses that are thriving and there are new businesses that will come up from the ashes and some will recover, but there's going to be a lot of entertainment, travel, hospitality, corporate, real, commercial, real estate. Uh, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are still struggling. And so a year from now, the opportunity is if you keep doing things the same way you've always done it, you know, which is Einstein's definition of insanity, keep, you know, keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. Uh, a year from now, they're going to be in the same situation. But the other side of this is that technology is not the solution, but it's part of the process to help that anything that can be automated needs to be automated. And it's insane to have 1300 applications come through your email and then to have someone put those all into a spreadsheet. Absolutely. When, when that could be done in a split second and automatically where you're now spending time interviewing, screening the people who need to be screened out or screened, uh, contacting the top talent quickly, uh, which there's still this HR black hole um, that people go into, you know, Companies complain about employees ghosting themselves, (laughs) where companies have ghosted employees for years and still do it. Uh, I don't think there's an event or or a conversation that I go into where I ever ask this question of how many, and it's usually a lot of HR people, how many people have, how many of you have in the last year or so applied for a job? And, you know, 25% of the hands go up. How many people never heard from the company that you applied to? And all these hands go up and then you hear the horror stories. I applied to 25 companies and only two responded to me ever. Right. Yeah. So there's, you know, and there's a lot of free things. And I know people are going to be on strict budgets and and trying to look at the resources. One of the, some of the, the easy things that a company can do, and again, this is a process change, is make sure that every person who, who, responds to you, who applies to your business, that you 
at least acknowledge it in a, in what we call a, not a cold corporate response. Thank you for your application. We'll be in touch if, if we need anything. But hey, thanks. We, re- we appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, we know this is an important decision for you and it's an important decision for us. It takes two minutes to rewrite the communication, the replay, the, uh, the reply, and that can be automated. Absolutely. Uh, it, the bar is so low that, that you don't have to be really good in HR to be super successful and to create the image because a lot of companies are just doing it poorly. Well, when we let's let's go into employment brand uh, in a second. Of course, at People Processes, we do think a lot about those processes, and, and in our uh, in our recruiting pro- platform, or if you're using us as advisors and you have other people out, you're, you're doing some other ones. Simple: the ability to open a job, make sure everyone who applies gets a reply, uh, some ability to mass update, and when the job is filled, please use that setting. It's, it's in every piece of software out there, <laughs> including our own, that when the job is filled, to email everyone who applied and say the job has been filled. We've, we appreciate it, but, you know, those sorts of things, there's a compliance aspect to them. There's a, there's a, there's a legal aspect to doing it that way. You should do it that way. Um, but there's also, as, as uh, Iris mentioned, there's a, what feeling are you generating? What, mm-hmm. what, what is the experience that other that applicants are having and that, that, that you're creating in the marketplace. And, and, so, and but there's, and let me just interrupt there for a minute or, or mm-hmm. kind of compliment that because the, it, it's so incredibly important. So the, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the talent board, but it, mm-hmm. the talent board has every year, the candy awards, it's C A N D E. So it's candidate and experience. And they, they recognize companies that have done a great job. They're, they release a report every year based on their findings. It's sort of like the best place to work. Mm-hmm. And they found that since 2016, and this was before the pandemic, so I don't have no, I, I can't imagine what it's going to be this year, that re- candidate resentment increased 40%. Candidate resentment, not just dissatisfaction or unhappiness, resentment went up 40%, despite all the technology, the billions of dollars that was poured into HR tech, and everybody focused on creating a better experience. Candidate resentment went up. And the reason why is it's not only the people that you hire, did they have a good experience? Exactly. But it's, it's the, you know, out of, when you have an opening, you hire one person, at least 99 get rejected. At least. And those 99, you know, 70% of those 99, if they were a customer, will not buy from you again. <laughs> right. And, and, and there was a, there's a point on that, which is um, I was recently speaking with a, um, a recruiting researcher, specifically a, an economist who works around this idea. And they did a study recently. Uh, I mean, we're talking like pandemic wise, like among unemployed uh, applying for jobs. So that's a subset of the unemployed. Um, what actions do you take? Around 70% of them before applying, even on job boards that are one-click apply, research the company briefly. They Google them. What's it like to work there? And of those who research, 60-some-odd percent, it was like 62, 63, will not apply to a job if the company has any sort of negative employment Mm -hmm. reputation. Mm -hmm. Unemployed people who are searching for jobs right now, even, you know, are more than half of them will simply say, no, nah, I'm not applying there. There's a bad, 
there's a bad review. I go on Reddit. I go on Glassdoor, whatever it is, whatever your generation is. <laughs> and uh, if they see negative stuff, they, they'll simply move on to the next one. So that actually takes me to the employment brand. So Ira, I, we've talked a lot on the show about the recruiting process from job analysis to description, to advertisement, to interviews, uh, to quali- qualification of those applications. Uh, when we interview, what are we trying to do? Uh, how do we make the hiring decision? How do we check background checks even? We've covered a lot of that, but what we haven't touched as much on is getting that first applicant in, uh, the brand around which they are applying. I'm hoping you can shed a little bit of light on the processes. So for say, for example, this is let's go with a small business first. This is a 10, 15 man company uh, or even smaller. And they know that they need to fill a specialist role. It's not a maybe not a C level, but maybe they need someone who has a particular set of skills. This isn't a, you know, unskilled labor. We need a specific kind of person. And they know the process for getting an applicant. They know how to post a job. They know how to do interviews. Let's pretend for a minute they do, mm-hmm. or they've taken my course at academy.peopleprocesses.com. But if they they've done all that, but how what is the steps? What are five things or three things they could do? this afternoon or this Saturday with a patent pen to get started on getting a better quality or quantity of applicants, increasing their employment brand. I've never really talked about the brand of employment. What are some of the steps they could take? So there are steps that you can take. I mean, there's obviously getting the the word out. Um, But then if you get the word out and they look up your rating and you have a Two, you know, two point two rating on Glassdoor or indeed or no or rating. rating, right? Or no rating, then people aren't going to do that. So some of this takes planning ahead of time. Uh, in my my book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, uh, I talk. Uh, I, I came up with an acronym, and it's called Reach R E A C H. And we already talked about some of these already. So the R is how do you reach people, and that comes through. You know where where would the where would the people you'd like to hire hang out? Um, they're probably not. By the way, they're not hanging out on Indeed. Top talent doesn't hang out on <laughs> right. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the top you know most most new hires of, of top talent comes from networking. It it comes. They're passive. You know they're, they're not. They're technically they're not passive unemployed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're going to steal them from from a competitor or somewhere else, and maybe it's a little easier now. But uh, again, they're the haystack got a lot. You know, they they talk about finding the needle in the haystack. Well, the haystack got a lot bigger. Put 45 million people out there. Um, so, so, but where do you find those? So it's networking. It's you know, do they, are they on in, on LinkedIn? Um, you know, who do you know? How do you how do you build that? And that takes time. Uh, you know, so many people try to use social media as a as an advertising tool, and you know, you you need to have a network. So it takes a little bit of effort to find the people, and ha- which which leads into the in the e part, which really aligns with the employment brand, is once people hear that you have an opening, whether it's it, whether it's active or passive, they they want to be engaged. They, they want to read your job listing. They want to, uh, and which should, by the way, should not be the copy and pasted job description. It should hmm. be a little story. Why would I want to work for your company? It shouldn't be, oh, we offer all these things for you. It should be, here's a story of why people love working for us. Uh, I've actually had clients write job listings, ha- have their 
have somebody in the job write the job listing. Not what they do, but you know how they do it, why they want to work for the company. You need to, number one is you have to reach the people <laughs> that you want to hire. The second is you need to engage them immediately in the process. Uh, what is it that's going to keep them um, on that page or you know in that conversation to the point where we come up to with the third A, which is apply. So you want to reach them, you want to engage them, and you want them to click to apply. That is that takes a strategy. I mean, that takes some work. Um, people have to start using metrics. Just because you posted on Indeed last time and you got 150 people doesn't mean it's going to work this month or this time or for another position. You have to start identifying, collecting some of the metrics. Where where do our most successful candidates come from? Uh, who and again, it's not only what where the successful applicants come from. But who turned out to be the best hires? Did it come from a referral? Did it come from a job board? Did it come from networking? Did it come from LinkedIn? Did it, where did it come from? Uh, people, HR has been notorious in not tracking any of that information. So if you don't have it, and you know, then you have to wing it a little bit, but with the, with the attention of looking you know, forward. Uh, but part of, part of it is you need metrics. If you don't, me- if you don't measure, you know, you, any road will get you there. So, so at the application, then you also have to look at, and this is a this is a process, and this is a practice. Is what's your application look like? The abandonment rate, the average abandonment rate of people who start to apply and quit is fifty percent. That's insane. That somebody says, "I'm ready to buy from you," and you lose fifty percent of them because the application's too long. It, uh, 90% of the population starts a job search on a mobile device. Um, your application, you, you can't fill out a PDF application on a, on a mobile device. I'm sorry. I don't care. You know, my, fing- my thumbs and fingers don't work that way. Uh, it, it, it doesn't fit. Uh, we had, we work, we're working with a client uh, now that had a five-page application. It was on a, it was a form, but it was just too long. Uh, the first day that they switched over to our platform, they had a 92% abandonment rate. Eight out of 100 people finished an application or 92 didn't. Um, we, we convinced them that they needed to shorten the application, stop asking so many silly questions up front, get them to complete the application, and then ask for all the rest of the information that you need. Uh, they jumped literally overnight to about 70% completion rate. Um, and that didn't cost them any more to do that. Uh, it just changes the way. So you need to reach, you need to engage, you need to have a, 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 a relatively short, um, responsive, mobile-ready application. Uh, and then the C is communicate. We talked about that earlier. You have to respond to people quickly and often. Uh, throughout the process. You have to let them know what's their progress, how well are they doing, where are they, have you rejected, are you still considering them? Uh, And then H is hire. Hiring does not stop at the job offer. You need a good onboarding process. Uh, What's it like once they got the job offer extended? How long did it take them? When did they hear? What's the first day on the job look like? What about filling out the paperwork? Was that an easy process? When they showed up to work, were you ready for them? Did you have a computer? Did you have a desk? Did the manager greet them? Um, All that stuff goes into uh, either people showing up for work, 
getting buyer's remorse and then not showing up on the second day, uh, leaving a bad review, which is, you know, difficult to reverse. Uh, so the, the kind of our process is looking at uh, reach. Reach, yeah, I, I couldn't come up with another R, but reach, engage, apply, conver- communication, and hire. That's an excellent process. Um, and I, I think, um, I, I, you know, acronyms are great. They, they keep it, help it stick in our minds. But I'm wondering if maybe you could speak a bit about, so in this case, the effectiveness of your brand in terms of applying is reflected in the process that people are taking under your reach acronym. So Mm -hmm. uh, where you post, um, what you have, um, how you engage them, how you communicate with them, what the application looks like. And that looks at brand as an experience, which is probably the right way to look at it. Mm. Would you say that investment in recruiting brand? So for example, um, let's say you have a client, um, you, 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 you recruit for people, right? You, that's what you do at times. Actually, I don't recruit for people. I, I work with recruiters, but I help them create a, a I work on the, the, the branding, the yeah. recruitment, we call it recruitment marketing. So awesome. So the recruitment marketing, there we go. That's, that's what I want to focus in on. When, when a client comes to you and says, look, I, I've, I, I see the steps in the process. I have a system or I'm using your system, but I need to step it up is where you focus in on these items. Or do you also think about, I don't know, people talk about we should put out an ad or um, when we, 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 we should have a video that explains our company Mm -hmm. mission, our uh, we should interview with a videographer, the people in the role that we're recruiting for so that people can have a, of those marketing pieces, let's go purely in that into that world. Are they worthwhile investments? Are they? Yeah, um, it's a good question. How does, that, how does that work? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great question. And and so let's take the video because everybody says you need video. And by the way, mm-hmm. is you do need video because it's it's the 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 most watched, uh, the most engaging type of uh, 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 digital tool that yeah. there is out there. Just look at TikTok and YouTube and, and everything else. So video is a way to communicate it. But bringing in a videographer, having a tour of the facility, interviewing your CEO and the marketing and maybe a single or, or an employee or two mm-hmm. is too corporate. I mean, I'm not telling you they're bad uh, or that you shouldn't do it that way because it, it does give a, a, a kind of an official presence. But what most people who are looking for is they want to know what's it like for me, because they may never see the CEO or the or, or the owner, or they may not be on the production floor. So I suggest, like everybody else does, do a selfie. Um, have interview an employee or two, and what interview them and have them in their words, in their language. It doesn't have to, be, you know, it has to be doesn't have to be professionally done, but it's got to be, you know, professional. Um, have them talk for a minute or two. What it's like to work for the company. What was it like the first day that they show up? What opportunities did they have to grow? Uh, why do they keep coming back? Why would they want to refer their family, a uh, family member or a friend to them? Have them tell their story of what it's like. Have a manager what they're talk to them. Hey, if you come to work for the company, you, I'm going. You know, I'm not your boss. I'm going to be your mentor and your coach. 
Uh, now, if that's not true, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> right. Right. You can't yeah. lie. These. Be, that's be why. Your, I, be your culture. You'll get the people who fit it. Exactly. Yeah. That people. There, there's a couple other buzzwords that are out there, and and the two that are starting to really resonate for for many reasons, and this goes into social unrest and injustice, is being transparent and being authentic, and. The, the company that that's what people are looking for. That's what the employees are looking for. That's what they're. And if if you don't have that, then you can't just say it. It's on a poster. You can't put those words up on a wall and expect that's what it is. You need when people walk through that door, they're going to get a sense if they feel that you're tra- you're honest, you're transparent, um, you're being authentic. This is the way it really is. This isn't the sales pitch. And as soon as we get here, it's completely different. Uh, Companies are transforming their culture. So, you know, we're sort of beating around the bush. But the reality is, is if if you're going to recruit the top people, you need to have a good culture. So you need to work on the culture first and then communicate. You can't create the communication and the marketing plan if your culture sucks, frankly. Uh, That's the way it is. So you need to to really believe and work on that company culture. Uh, But at the same time, if you have a great culture and you have processes that are horrible, your application's terrible, and you, uh, or it's too difficult to apply, or or you're you're targeting a young population, but your your applications aren't set up for mobile phones, uh, you know, then the technology gets in the way. So it's really a multifaceted approach uh, to be able to do that. But the employee brand is is probably the hardest. It's not something you can buy. You mm-hmm. have to work on it. Uh, to be able to do that, but it's not impossible. And the good news is, I said this before about other things, the bar is really low. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it, thank, what is it? I, 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 thank, I thank the Lord for incompetent adversaries. Uh, <laughs> when you're competing, you know, there's, there's pl- it, it doesn't take much to move the needle. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, well, and on that, Ira, speaking a little bit about culture, just a random kind of side note, this is something that we've, that has come up in the last few interviews that I've had. Um, authentic, uh, being authentic uh, doesn't mean conforming. Um, I, I, I had a client, <laughs> blew me away. They, they hired a recruiting firm. Uh, they're an accounting company. And man, they are, this is, this is, a, this is a grown-up accounting company. They got uh, 50, 60 CPAs. They have you know, hundreds of support staff. They kill it. And they want to recruit accountants. Well, let me tell you something. This is probably the most formal organization I have seen in the last five years. They are a suit and tie company. They are, uh, they, 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 it, it, it is a formal organization and they wanted to, they want to get more in front of young people. They want, they want, they need more applicants from uh, high level business schools that, that want to come and work for them. And the recruiter and the recruiting company said, all right, well, what you got to do is, um, you know, change your job description from a formal job description to, uh, you know, hi, good morning. We're so excited that you applied and, uh, we have a heck of a lot of fun here and just a very informal kind of advertisement. We're a fun, funky group of think uh, outside the box thinkers and because they said that's that's we need to recruit young people and that's what young people want. 
I think you can recognize already, this doesn't go well, right? Right. Authenticity, there there are, uh, even, even uh, we're past millennials now, Generation Z, the Zoomers, right. <laughs> what we're calling them, there are stodgy, pencil-driven, uh, detail-oriented young men and women who want to wear a suit to work. They're out there. And if that's what your organization is built around, and you think, and that's worked for you, and that's you don't want to change it, well, you may have a slightly smaller pool than the place with the ping pong table and the the monster energy drinks, uh, you know, in the in the break room. Um, but you need to be authentic because if you if you don't advertise, uh, describe, and recruit for people who are going to actually fit your culture, uh, you're not going to wind up with candidates who are going to stick around very long. So, please uh, take t- when you're thinking about how to redo this. You obviously may need to ch- you may need to change your culture. Your culture may be terrible. It may be actually bad. But if it's just not the most popular, but it is, uh, if you look around your staff and your staff are great people doing a great job, uh, that maybe don't fit the this core this this five year cool employer place. I wouldn't recommend advertising differently or changing. Uh, those things internally, just because you want a slightly different class of people. That's that's my only uh, asterisk there, because no, I feel like I see it a lot. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, again, and I, I use that analogy a lot because we provide pre-employment testing and leadership testing. So, um, you know, it doesn't make an extra, and this, most people understand this, People say, oh, we need extroverts or we need introverts. And and that's that's a cultural thing because introverts can be successful salespeople and extroverts can be successful accountants and engineers. Um, and, and what happens is when you use that to qualify people for a position, then using some personality tests weeds out. It makes your job harder because you exclude qualified people. The, 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 but it is important because if you have... Uh, uh, let's say go back to your accounting office and it's this kind of mm. a staid, quiet people like to work in their offices. They, they keep the door barely cracked open or shut. They don't like to be interrupted. And you bring in an intro, an extrovert who loves talking and they come in early and want to sit down and chat for a while. You know, when everybody else comes in early because it's quiet and they can get work done. <laughs> and then you bring an extrovert who wants to have coffee with you in the morning. That's not a quality. That's, that's not a skill problem. That's a cultural conflict problem. Uh, so, you know, and I had a laugh as you were describing the situation. It goes beyond that. People Every single job at, not every single one, but a lot of job postings have, um, we're looking for someone who's high, high energy, uh, self-motivated and takes self-motivated initi- and, and takes, takes initiative. initiative. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and then as soon as they come in, it's go, you know, they just don't follow directions. They think they're going to be <laughs> the boss tomorrow. Uh, okay. That's the cultural problem. That's a bad job description because somebody told you to write it because it needed to be more uplifting and you needed to reach young people. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so when you're, uh, and you know what, I tell you what, we're going to actually start wrapping this up. I think you've given some great guidance here. Uh, I want to refer back to reach as kind of a, uh, a, a straightforward way to review your current processes. Think about each one of these sections where you're reaching people, your uh, engagement, the application process, uh, the, how you communicate with them, and then what actually happens, of course, at hiring or onboarding, as we call it. Review those uh, processes. 
Think about your brand in terms of the experience that applicants have. It can make a huge difference. It's a short, it's a, it's a minimal investment for an outlandish return on the brand of your organization. More people apply for jobs in a lot of small businesses than you have clients. So why alienate two or 300 people in your community every time you post a job uh, when you only have 50 clients, right? So these are excellent, uh, easy things that you can do, take a look at and and fix a little problem. Okay. If you have a process, by the great thing about processes is that these marginal improvements can be replicated Make a little, take a little step, make it a little bit better, and improve it further on. Now, Ira, what I'd love for you to know is what have you got coming up over the next six months or so? What's got you excited and uh, uh, building out? You know, uh, you get up early and think about uh, for your organization. Well, as I said earlier, you know, is looking at the world. I, I mean, I see. Uh, so much opportunity. This is sort of a reboot time for, I, I don't care if you were affected or not. I mean, most people were infected, what affected, hopefully not infected, <laughs> affected yeah. one way or the other uh, by uh, COVID-19, uh, but a huge opportunity. Uh, you know, we basically took time. Uh, we, we we kind of looked at, you know, the business, but uh, we were launching a uh, learning management platform and uh, with online courses, 2,600. I had it in my back pocket uh, for a time and COVID hit and we took advantage of that. So I think a lot of other people should be looking at, uh, you know, what, what, what opportunities exist out there? What things have you tabled? What new opportunities are there? Uh, for me, um, you know, I'm excited. Uh, one is I'm really excited about that, uh, helping people now learn from home. Uh, take an opportunity to train people. Everybody's going to have to learn new skills. Uh, doing a lot of speaking. We're doing a lot of virtual events. Obviously, a lot of the conferences were, uh, most of them weren't canceled. Most of them were changed to virtual events right. and having that opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. I'm, I'm still passionate about the candidate experience. Uh, comp- there's good companies out there that offer good jobs, good places to work, good lifestyles for people, good opportunity. They just can't get the message out there. They're just and and again, whether we're using the REACH acronym or not, now's a good time to visit. So I'm I'm excited about uh, continuing that process. You know, personally, I'm oh, well, Ira. It looks like we uh, lost you there right at the end. I um, uh, hope you're able to join us back I'm still in. Still here, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can. Oh, we're back. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, we're back. We lost you there for a second. Um, I'm excited to hear about your uh, future engagements there, Ira. I, 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 I guess if you're back with us. Yeah, I am. Cool. Yeah. Tell us where our listeners can find you and learn more. And what is the, if there's someone listening right now, what is their organ, what does their organization look like? What are their needs? What is it that's should trigger in their mind that, Hey, I need to reach out to Ira today to, um, to make a connection here? Well, there's there's two big areas. I appreciate that. We, one is um, almost everything we offer is up on our my company website, which is Success Performance Solutions. And very easy to get to. Go to successperformancesolutions.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, we provide pre-hire. We do uh, any type of assessment all the way from typing and data entry to can they run the company. Uh, so we, we do pre-employment assessments, uh, leadership assessments uh, for development and for pre-hire. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, we have the online hiring program. Uh, and I, have an, I, have a cor- I actually have an online course for the recruitment marketing 
which is up there as well. So a lot of opportunities to, to take advantage of that. You can certainly contact me anytime. I, we, we differentiate ourselves by our support and uh, we're available to talk and chat and make sure that if we're not the right company, I know a lot of people who are. And uh, the other opportunities are uh, I've got a community. It's called googleizationnation.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's free. Uh, we uh, just today I'm doing a webinar, but I do one or two webinars a week or have interviews just like this uh, with people uh, in business and uh, HR thought leaders. I've got a podcast, Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, so there's a lot of free opportunities that people can learn and, and grow that way. And then uh, recruiting in the age of Googleization is my book. And if you go to besthrbook.com, it's besthrbook.com, you can get it for free. Awesome. Well, guys, links will be in the description below. Uh, Check us out at peopleprocesses.com for those links. And Ira, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. and appreciate it very much, Ramey. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to um, hear from you again and uh, and all the listeners. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at People Processes. Go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe, and get some of our subscriber-only content. And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.